Good afternoon, everybody. Um, you are all very, very welcome uh, to this special uh, version of Youth Theatre Ireland's Young Critics. Uh, my name is Alan King. I am the Youth Theatre Officer for Youth Theatre Ireland, and you join me from a virtual project cube, which has been the Young Critics spiritual home, I suppose, for the last uh, number of uh, versions that we've done. So uh, where, wherever you're joining us, from whatever part of the country or whatever part of the world, uh, you are all very, very welcome. Uh, in a few moments, I'm gonna pass it over to uh, Karen Fricker, and Dr. Karen Fricker, who will be chairing the panel as she has done for uh, many number of years. Um, and we'll hear from some young people in advance of that. But before we kick off, I'd like to welcome um, Youth Theatre Ireland's um, director, her, our recent director, uh, uh, Mr. Owen Doyle. Owen, you're very well. Welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks very much, Alan. Um, yeah, so I'm the new director with Youth Theatre Ireland, so just kind of very fresh in. So it, it's I'm delighted to be here. Um, this is I, I've been to a number of these uh, young critics panels over the year, and they're always really, really interesting. So it's great that we were still able to make it happen in, I suppose, what we can all term a very unusual year. Um, I suppose I just want to do a couple of thank yous. I suppose I want to thank the Dublin Theatre Festival for like all their work and hosting us every year. So Willie White and Maria Fleming, um, to, to for all their support that they do for the Young Critics Panel all the time. Um, Stephen McManus in production for kind of doing working with us as well. Uh, Dervil and Dervil and Katie for the, all the marketing and managing all of the online stuff with us as well. And of course Sharon Sharon White in the box office. Um, so like we are delighted that despite everything that the festival has going on, that this was still a really important element to kind of get over the line and work with us with. So we're really thrilled that we could make this happen. Um, I suppose I really, I personally want to thank Alan and Karen, Dr. Karen Fricker for like all of their work and the commitment to this project in an unusual year that like, you know, this is, this is the, a first, as I said, I was saying earlier, like this is the first for many things. This year is a year of firsts. So we're moving to, we have like, a virtual Young Critics panel. I'll just say I'm based in Dublin. I know we're going to be telling where everybody is. is so I'm in Dublin as well. Um, and I suppose I just, the importance of this program in terms of the Youth Theatre Ireland, Ireland work, critical thinking is an important tool, not only in youth theatre, but it's just in your life. Um, and I think like that the skills that young people pick up on this program that runs over a number of months are just fantastic, is a fantastic skill set to develop. So I think Alan and Karen, thanks so much for your kind of investment in that kind of like tool that young people can bring beyond their lives in youth theatre and into their kind into their future selves as well. And um, just want to thank our funders, DCYA and the Arts Council. And uh, without further ado, because there's like loads to do and there's loads to go through and you don't want to be hearing from me for ages. So I'm going to pass back to Alan and uh, enjoy everybody. When we did the, do the Young Critics every year, uh, when it normally works, uh, is that we bring a bunch of 16 young people together and they come up for one weekend and they see some shows and we stay in touch over the summer and then they we bring them back in October for the Dublin Theatre Festival where they get to see a bunch of live shows and then we have this panel discussion uh, normally on a Sunday morning in the Project Art Centre. That couldn't happen this year I suppose we were due to happen uh, about two weeks after the lockdown happened so the programme was suspended but after some careful thought and consideration we realised that actually Young Critics Programme could really thrive in an online environment. And I know it's an area that myself and Karen has been, have been interested in in a number of years, uh, particularly the digital learning, digital practice. And I think uh, like many people this year, uh, we, got a, we got a crash course on how to do it. Um, so what I'd like to do at this stage, I'd like to uh, introduce some of the young people, just for them to talk a little bit about um, what the process was like for them. So you can, you know, I suppose today is the culmination of six months work. 
these aren't just a bunch of young people that we brought together. They've been working together over a long period of time. So I would love uh, to introduce uh, one of the first young people. Uh, so if Ellie is there from Activate Youth Theatre. Hi, yeah. Thanks, Alan. Uh, my name is Ellie and I'm coming to you from all the way in Cork. And I'd love to talk about the application and how this whole project started. So over six months ago now, I think we all found out from our youth theatres that this project was going to be happening. So we filled out our applications, we make a review of a piece that we'd seen already. So I made a video review, which was a really cool experience. But also really cool to look back on now to see how much I've learned since then and how I do it differently. Um, at the time when I accepted the place, when I um, got a call from Alan, we were, of course, under the impression that we'd be coming up for two weeks to Dublin because, yeah, totally different scenario all that time ago. But since then, um, obviously a lot has changed. So we moved completely online. And of course, like Zoom can be really difficult for lots of different things like school and stuff, but it's worked really, really well for us with the Young Critics. And I think my favourite thing is how we've managed to work really collaboratively. Um, even all online like we've never met in person but I think we get on really well and we can work really well together which I think is really brilliant and I've really 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 enjoyed the process and I'd love to pass over to Larkin to talk about the online workshops themselves. Hi thanks Ellie. Uh, I'm Larkin. I am from Kildare Youth Theatre and I'm broadcasting live from Kildare. Um, just like it's just been a really really good experience and I think it's an experience that's held up despite circumstances and I think it's actually quite impressive that we've managed to do that and that Karen and Alan have actually given us the tools and the kind of methods to actually go about doing that so many thanks to them from all of us I'm sure but um yeah um that's pretty much kind of there's a lot that goes into this um there's a lot that goes into just the young critics itself we watch a lot of shows we review them we do there's a lot of people who um have different types of reviews like ellie said she did a video for her application but um then there's like i know andreas has done podcasts and um there's just those people that have done really nice like different things that have kind of opened up a lot of our minds to it and we've just learned so much and we've learned like how to review different things or how to go about reviewing different things different types of reviews and stuff I think it's really because it's not really something I would have been I would have thought about previously but it's really kind of opened my mind to it and it's really I've really enjoyed a lot a lot of it and I think a lot of people think the same. I'm Aoife, I am from North Kildare and I'm going to talk about the different plays that we've seen. So the first proper performance that performances that we reviewed was the Dear Ireland performances which were a bunch of videos put together that were visual, virtual letters to Ireland from people. And the one that I reviewed was called Shower by Sarah Hanley and was starring Denise Gow. And that was a really great performance. I loved watching it because it was something that was so relevant to the times that we're living in right now. And also Bear Hunt by Grace Lobo was an amazing performance that had a very individual format that also starred Desire Birch and Eileen Walsh and they were very good uh, in performing. I really loved Young Critics because I met so many new people who had the same interests as I do 
and it was so great to bond together. We're all very nice and respectful towards each other. It's been such a great experience and I've learned so much. I've learned how, what do critics look for when they're trying to review a piece and I was really surprised at the amount of research that actually goes in to creating all these pieces. It was really eye-opening and it was such a great experience and I'd love to do it again. I'm Marie Cleland from uh, Free Radicals YouTuber and I'm currently based in Kerry. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, since I'm from Kerry, I'm living in Southwest Kerry, I'm incredibly rural uh, and the obviously the pandemic was an incredibly isolating experience for a lot of people but due to the fact that I live incredibly rural, Young Critics allowed me to connect and take my mind off what was going on since I didn't have a lot of, uh, I didn't have the ability to do it anywhere else so Young Critics allowed me to connect with people all over the country who I would otherwise would have not met and allowed me to be a slight a little bit less less lonely during the uh, lockdown period during uh, the summer and uh, something else I really really enjoyed about Young Critics was how much it broadened my horizons in terms of re reviewing a little bit what I agree with I've agree with what Lurkin said there a while ago was that I didn't realise how much you could do with reviewing and being a critic. I didn't realise you could use all this kind of media and have so much fun with reviewing. Like you could you can create podcasts, you can do videos, you can create memes and that counts as reviewing and it really inspired me to like think about uh, reviewing in a much more in a much different way and you know, I I think um I think Young Critics has really given me the opportunity to broaden my horizons and look a bit more into criticizing. Uh, yeah, thank you. Brilliant, that's great. Thanks, guys, for those insights in, into the process. So uh, I'm going to pass it over to uh, my esteemed colleague, Dr. Karen Fricker, uh, for this year's Young Critics panel. Great, thanks, Alan, and thanks um, everyone who's spoken so far. Um, my name is Karen Fricker. I am an associate professor of dramatic arts at Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario, and I'm a theater critic at the Toronto Star. And I am coming to you today from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, which is quite a remarkable thing. This is, um, I think, the 16th Young Critics I've participated in. Um, I started uh, working on the project in its first year when I was living in Ireland and then I continued to participate when I was living in London UK and I've continued to participate since I moved to Canada but this is the first time that we've act this remote thing has happened and um, most of you probably don't know this but um, this weekend is Canadian Thanksgiving um, it's, it's earlier than American Thanksgiving so I just wanted to say that I am so grateful and give thanks um, that we can all be here uh, because this is Young Critics is a part of my year, and I really um, am so happy that, I, that we all got to work together and work so well over these past six months. And I wanted to say thanks to Alan and everybody at Youth Theatre Ireland for, for continuing to make it happen. And thanks to Willie and um, everybody at the Dublin Theatre Festival for giving us a festival. I know that there's been a lot of changes up to the last minute. Um, and we've rolled with those punches too. Um, so we are going to be talking about three productions today. We're going to be talking about To Be a Machine uh, by Dead Center, which we watched um, last, the, during this week. Um, uh, all of us got to see that. Um, one of our young critics, Rory, got to see The Great Hunger, the Abbey's production out at IMMA. So Rory's going to talk about that. 
And then we're going to talk about the party to end all parties by a new productions, which again, we all, we all saw. Thank you, Karen. Um, hello again. My name is Ellie O'Connell and I'm from Cork and I'm with Activate Senior Youth Theatre in Cork City. And I'm going to pass you along to Killian. Thanks, Ellie. Hi, I'm Killian Reid. Uh, I'm with Backstage Youth Theatre, broadcasting from Longford. So, I'll pass it over to Mark. Hi, my name is Mark Cheevers. I am from Explore Youth Theatre, and currently I am in Leaxlip County Kildare. I'll pass it over to Aoife now. Hi, I'm Aoife. I'm from Explore Youth Theatre, also in North Kildare, and I will pass it on to Harry. Hi, I'm Harry. I'm from Mr. Sands Youth Theatre in Bray, and I'm broadcasting from Bray. And I'll pass it on to Sinead. Hi again, I'm Sinead. I'm from Lightbulb Youth Theatre in Mallow, and I am broadcasting from Cork. And I will pass it on to Heather. <laughs> my, my internet broke there for a minute, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, my name is Heather Jones. I'm from Giant Wolf Youth Theatre in Tala, and I'm coming to you from Tala. And I'll pass it on to Rachel. Um, I'm Rachel and I am from Monaghan Youth Theatre and I am broadcasting from Monaghan. Great. Okay, thanks everyone. Um, so we're talking about To Be a Machine, which we which was in the Project Cube, um, we think, but maybe not. And um, as we know, the first job of criticism is to describe, because we can't be certain that the really impressive number of people that are on this call, we have 68 <laughs> participants, um, have necessarily seen the show. So can I ask one of you to kick off describing what the show looked like and what you understood it to be about? Who wants to kick us off by raising your hand? Rachel, off you go. So this show was adapted from a book by the same name by Mark O'Connell. Um, this show, it was based on the theme, well, it was based on transhumanism, which is a way of thinking about the future that is based upon the assumption that the human species in its current form does not represent the end of our development, but rather a relatively early phase. So um, Jack Gleason, who was playing himself, he spoke to different transhumanists around the globe about their experiences with transhumanism and um, how it affects their lives and what their beliefs are for the future. Um, and I think while some shows struggle to transfer to the digital medium, this show excelled in it. Um, the, necess the necessity of moving the show to the digital world was an embodiment of the central theme. Um, and there was, it was a virtual audience. I think that's important to say. Um, and yeah, thanks, Rachel. Thanks for kicking us off. Can, can somebody pick up by talking about the virtual audience and how the, how we, how the audience was represented in the show, because I think that was really one of its striking features. So can somebody speak to that? I see you nodding. Oh, so Sinead, there's your hand. Off you go. Uh, before we actually watched the show, we were asked to record uh, five second videos, three five second videos of ourselves doing different reactions. So there was one that was just looking at the camera and what, blinking as if we were just watching something. The second was laughing as if we had just been told a very funny joke. And the final, and the third and final one was us just closing our eyes. And the reason that we had to upload ourselves, as it were, was so that 
we could become a virtual audience. See, because we can't actually go ourselves, what they did was they put rows of just iPads up in the Performing Arts Theatre in Dublin. And each of our videos was on. And points in the show, these videos that were taken of ourselves were played, different iPads, depending on context of the show. For the most part, it was just us, our videos of us just blinking. Then at times it would be us doing our laughing track. And then for the last part, it was us closing our eyes. And yeah, the whole point of us doing that was to upload ourselves into the audience, even though we would be watching ourselves. And how did that work? Can somebody say about how, about what the effect that that had on you of seeing the digital audience and, and watching the actor Jack Gleason interact? Did you, did you think that was effective? Do you think it worked, Mark? I think it made the, the whole performance very personal because if you were in the um, seeing it in real life, it wouldn't have the same effect as it was seeing yourself on an iPad from a screen. And especially seeing my other uh, young critics there as well, it made me feel more connected uh, with the play. So it was, it was amazing to see myself up there and my fellow young critics there as well. Yeah, and that's such a good point, Mark. I hadn't thought about it in that way. That that usually when you're in the audience, you can't see yourself. But then we were in this very strange position. At one point, I think we, we got a point of view shot where we were seeing where we would have been in the audience, but then there was something quite uncanny about seeing you all and then seeing oneself. And I mean, how did that, to you, how did that enhance the themes of the play or contribute to, to the meanings of the show for you? Like what, what how did, did the show make you think about things like embodiment and disembodiment and, and the future performance? Who can, who can speak about that? Heather? It was really interesting to see everyone in the audience because in reality, we were all sitting in our own homes, like all around the country and all around the globe, watching a single performance that was shot on a, a camera that we all had the same view of. But in reality, if we had have been in that space, we would have been sitting in our seats, like at the back or in the front row. And it's, it gave this sense of we were united in the fact that we were watching this performance, but we were also disconnected from the fact that we were all in our own homes. So it was really interesting to see how they played with that. Who else wants to riff on that? I saw a bunch of hands go up when I asked that question. If I saw you nodding. Yeah, I thought it was very uncanny actually to see everyone's faces and it was almost to the point of like distraction because I would look at the sea of faces and I'd be like oh do I know this person oh look there's Mark oh no there's Ellie um but it also had a bit of an underlining feeling that maybe this is the future that we are to be expecting what if we will be uploaded onto digital forms like is this what would be the norm um, and can I, um, somebody early on introducing this show said that Jack Gleason was playing himself, but I would argue it's a little bit more complicated than that. So can somebody speak about, about the, about who Jack was or who you, what you were evolving understanding was of the identity of that person, Harry? Um, so Jack Gleason, he, kind of played himself but also didn't. He was supposed to be portraying the character of Mark O'Connor, who's the writer of this book. But 
near the end, there's a sort of twist where he starts talking about his own life, Jack Leeson, that is, and like his experience with theatre, how he wanted to leave acting after his star starring role in Game of Thrones, which everyone knows him from. And then it took a turn when they mentioned that Mark O'Connor had a bladder issue, which was kind of a running joke throughout the thing, the show. That he had a and what issue, sorry? A bladder issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was a running joke throughout the show. It's like, he said he couldn't perform because he had a bladder issue. And then as the camera zooms out, you see that he has pissed himself. And it makes you wonder, was Jack Gleason Mark O'Connor all along? Had he gone through this phase of transhumanism and turned himself? Has Jack Gleason given his body up to play Mark O'Connor? It was very, it was thought-provoking, really. Very I mean, it it's a show that, twisted and twisted and twisted and and made you question i mean can you can anybody recall or talk about any other things that happened in the show that was kind of like challenging your perception of reality um like i'm thinking about the video image of the arm other things like that anybody want to talk about that heather there was a moment in sort of the beginning but close to the middle as well where there was audience interaction and jack uh, calls out as Mark O'Connell, the, the character he was portraying, that anyone who responded could have easily been a chatbot. And then you start thinking, is there actually someone on the other side of the screen? And is, is it actually a human? <laughs> and you, you start to think, what is the human condition and what makes a human a human and what makes a robot and a machine a machine? Yeah, for sure. Any any other thoughts of any other details from the show stick out to anyone? Any other any other moments, specific moments that we haven't mentioned that you thought were particularly memorable, or maybe you're still asking yourself questions about? Ellie, and then Killian. Yeah, there was one particular moment in the play that was most poignant to me because it really made me think. Because up to that point. Um, the actor was talking so much about the human body being so fragile and inevitably it will fail us. And he kept talking about how, how um, easily damaged the body can get very easily. And then he, um, in a very, very interesting twist, he damaged one of the pieces of props he was using. It for a second was quite interesting because I wasn't sure if it was an accident or not, but he broke one of the iPads he was using as a prop which was really interesting because then it really confronted us with the thought that everything, everything can fail, everything can break down. Um, not, even, um, not even technology or machines are completely perfect or infallible. But um, it was then really interesting because he said that, you know, he can just replace it, which to me really um, hammered home for myself the value of my own body and the value of humans because a, an iPad can be replaced. If I broke this laptop I'm speaking to you right now, like it would be expensive to replace, but it is, it's completely replaceable. But a person, um, your own body, your own self is not in any way replaceable. It's completely, you get one, that's it for life. You have to mind it, you know? So I thought it was really poignant and I think it really hammered home what I personally interpreted from the play itself. Great, thanks. Killian? Killian, your audio's off. Sorry. Just to sort of expand on Ellie's first point there. 
uh, there was a very good quote in, uh, in the play in which he said, it's only when we get rid of our bodies, we become ourselves. And it sort of gets you to think, is the fundamental flaw of being human, the human body? And in the future, could we escape our own bodies to become better humans? And you start to think, is this the way the future is going into this transhumanism? And it's something that has definitely stayed with me anyway. I'm mm. constantly thinking this now. You know. And it's, I mean, the, the stuff of, that we're speaking of, right, I'm sure folks who are watching who didn't see the show, or even those who did, are thinking like, this does sound like, we've seen movies about this, right? Like we've read sci-fi, um, the, and going back to the, the really well-spoken point you made in the beginning, Rachel, is that this is asking a lot of these questions about embodiment and like cyborgism and robots and, and cryogenics or, but, and doing it in a way that really um, what was theatrical. Like it, it was theater because so we're having so many conversations these days about the, where does theater end and another form begin when we're talking about Zoom plays. And I mean, we haven't mentioned yet, but I think it's important to mention that we're aware that this is the first stage. It's a beta test, if you will, of a show that Dead Center is making. And so I think we're, you know, considering and couching our critical remarks in the context of the fact that we know that this show is going to continue to be developed. Um, I think it's pretty clear from the comments thus far that, that, that overall the response of the young critics to this show was extremely positive. So if we go to kind of the judgment piece of criticism, now that we've done description and analysis, how, how did this, how would you judge the show? Would you, do you think it's successful? And as you, and how would you also make comments about how, ways in which you imagine it might, it might continue to grow? So who'd like to kick us off on the judgment piece? Aoife, thank you. Uh, I thought it was like a five out of five star performance. It was just so good from like beginning to end. It was only 45 minutes. It was so, it's relatively short, but it was so immersive. I just couldn't keep, get my eyes away from the screen. It was just so good. And honestly, I don't know how it can be improved. I don't know how it could be developed further because I just thought it was perfect. Everything about it, it was amazing. And even um, Jack dealt with some like just minor technical issues very professionally. So it made it seem like it was part of the performance. Thanks. Who else has got a, a judgment comment? Rachel. Um, I think it would be very interesting. I think it would be a completely different experience to see this show live because as an online show, it was almost a demonstration of Mark McConnell's theory that maybe everything will just be moved to the online world or, um, yeah, I think it, it, and I don't think it would be as interactive. Um, I felt like it was a really personal experience watching it online. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see on how it will expand and change as a live performance. Yeah, I mean, the, thanks, Rachel. And I agree, like the, the piece about being able to see yourself 
we wouldn't have that or I can't, well, I can't imagine that we'd have that if it's live, but then again, I'm not dead center. Um, and I'm not one of the brilliant minds who, who conceived this show. So who knows? Any other thoughts about, about judging this piece? Would, would you recommend it? Are there, are there folks that you would definitely recommend it to and maybe not recommend it to, or do you think you, would you recommend it to anybody, you know? I just thought the show was amazing. Like there wasn't a fault to it, especially in the innovative forum that it came in. Like it was a live stream with so many different technical elements that just ran so seamlessly together. I'd recommend it to absolutely anyone. And I can't wait to see where they bring the show, especially if it's going to stay on an online forum because there's so many different ways they can bring the message of this transhumanism and the technology and the human aspects of the show so seamlessly together. Great, thanks. Yeah, I think for me, like I feel like since all of this has begun, there've been I've been involved in so many debates and witnessed to so many debates about whether, I mean, and a lot of folks are very, very sad that we don't have, we can't have live assembly at the moment in, in any way like we used to. And, and that, that without live assembly, without bodies in the same space that we, that there's, that, you know, it, the end is nigh. And this is one of the few shows that I've seen since, since, the, uh, since the pandemic that I actually thought like it, it, it was enhanced by being online. And that's, um, that's quite something I think. And, you know, well done on, uh, Dead Center and Dublin Theatre Festival for finding a way to bring it to us. Um, so thanks folks, thanks first panel. Um, we'll bring that to a close. And so can I ask you all to magically disappear? And can I ask Rory, bye, thanks guys. And can I ask Rory to magically appear? Um, so Rory, can you introduce yourself and tell us where you're coming to us from and what your youth theatre yeah. is? Sure. Hello, I'm Marie Phelan. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a member of Dublin Youth Theatre and I'm coming to you from Dublin. Yes, and lucky Rory, because you're in Dublin, got to do, got to assemble live, that rarest of things. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about The Great Hunger, um, what the project is, and then about, about your experience of it? Yeah. Of course. So The Great Hunger is a poem by Patrick Kavanagh and it kind of it examines the life of the peasant farmer Patrick Maguire and it talks about an Ireland that I thought we don't really talk about so much because it doesn't romanticize country Ireland and I think we see that in a lot in a lot of productions but instead it talks about how Maguire kind of fights against his own land for decades he never marries and he's never truly happy so it's staged in um the imma the irish museum of modern art well actually it's in conjunction with the imma and it's in the royal hospital um Khamein. and uh it's in, in partnership with the abbey so it's directed by uh katrina mclaughlin and connell morrison and it has 16 performers and 10 musicians who guide us through the poem and tell the story of Patrick Maguire and his life through both uh, spoken word and through music. Um, the piece is meant to be a promenade piece. So you're meant to go through the grounds of Royal Hospital Comenum for like 90 minutes, but because it was raining and it's Irish weather, and it's an October evening, 
they brought it into the courtyard of the into the courtyard so you're in the cobbled courtyard so instead of it being you'd go round to the performers you're in the courtyard they have about eight performers and musicians sitting down on these like wooden tables and you kind of rotate along the courtyard to each perform okay. and i think you said yesterday you you were in the rain but the performers were yeah. were sheltered yeah the performers but, were sheltered under the uh pr like the under the uh, canopy but we were out in the rain with our umbrellas and our <laughs> coats and our face masks you know kind of freezing off but in hope trying to enjoy the piece yeah and so did you do you i mean so you've acknowledged as is best critical practice um, the, the, circ the circumstances in which you saw the show, which mm. it sounds like were not exactly what was pictured and what not folk, mm. what folks, it's not what folks would have seen if they were able to be roaming free around the whole grounds. So yeah. can you talk about, so you were kind of walking along and, and visiting different stations? Yeah, so you're in the cobbled courtyard of the mm -hmm. OMMA. You're like in you're in the courtyard and there's four walls and there the performers are within the arches of the walls kind of standing at the right standing at the weight so one performer would sing or give their stanza uh stroke spoken words and then it'd move on to the next performer but you'd have about like eight performers at a time and then once those eight performers were finished they'd go out into like the building itself and then they play a bit of music and the next lot of performers would come in so yeah that was how it was done so you moved from performer to performer and did you do you feel that you got a sense of the of the farmer's story even through this modified form that you you engage with it in i guess it's a tough question because i feel like the words were there and the um like the beautiful words of Patrick Kavanaugh was there and Say Logo Halloran's costume was there, which was like reminiscent of kind of 1930s Ireland with like tweeds and wool. And but every performer had like a bit of October meadow flower pinned into their costume, which was quite beautiful. And the lighting uh, like through like their shadows against the wall. So it was all a bit surreal and like cool. But I felt like because it wasn't the way it intended, it felt slightly shallow because you're getting rained on like in the courtyard and you're kind of standing like in the same place for 90 minutes. You start to get cold, you start to shuffle around, but I just felt like it wasn't the way it was meant to be shown. And that was actually quite clear, which after kind of seven months of waiting to see something, it kind of felt a little bit disappointing. It was a 90 minute long performance. That's yes. kind of remarkable to, to, to be it keep, keeping it going yeah. for that long. Can yeah. you, how many of you were in the audience? 10 and two ushers. Okay. So did you, did you feel that, that health and safety was looked after? Did you, did you feel Definitely. comfortable? Everyone okay. was wearing masks, even though we were outside. Like, to be fair to the creators, it was done very well. You were at a distance from the performers themselves. The performers weren't wearing masks, but they were like in between arches. So that would have been their like two meter social distancing. So the safety aspect of it was managed very well. And it is, um, I, 
I believe I'm right in understanding. I haven't been able to follow the story as closely as if I were actually in Ireland, but I, I believe that there was a number of pivot after pivot in order and up until the last minute, it wasn't clear whether or not the show was going to be able to happen because of changing safety protocols. So um, I think the fact that it is happening um, is, is quite remarkable because mm -hmm. though there are remarkable um, digital experiences like um, to be a machine, there is something about, about the live theater experience and actually seeing being a live body in the presence of live bodies. Um, so is, is that something, did, did that feel different to you to be back, to be back at live theater, Rory? Yeah, look, I'm an actor, so as well as a critic. So being back into theater after, I think we're at seven months in this stage in Ireland of lockdown, like it just felt really fantastic. And some, and the fact that Dublin Theatre Festival, Abbey Theatre and, you know, the IMMA had kind of fought very hard. I read the programme, I read the story, I looked into it very hard to actually have a piece on, despite Dublin kind of being thrown into level three without much warning, which meant we couldn't have like performances indoors, was like very admirable. And actually being there and being in an audience was fantastic. And I would have really loved to see the pieces it was in, intended because I read, I know it was meant to be like people were standing in oak trees and people were standing in Wellingtons and fountains. And, you know, you were kind of guided through the grounds by musicians. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have been quite a different experience to be fair to the mm -hmm. piece. Like I do right. want to be fair to the piece. But yeah, right. uh, to answer your question, was absolutely lethal to actually be at something in the physical space. Okay, cool. Thanks, Marie. And um, I am remiss in not knowing if the show is still running and how much longer, but that's something we can return to in Q&A. So it is thanks. finished. Oh, it is, is it now? Yeah. Okay, well yeah. then you're, you're, you're letting us know what it was that we missed. <laughs> um, so thanks, Rory. Then I'm so glad that you were able to get along so that we were able to talk about the show. Um, so can I ask you to magically disappear with thanks? and ask the panel for the party to end all parties to join us. Here y'all are. Um, I think we're waiting on Emma as well. But as we wait, there you are, Emma. Um, can I ask you to introduce yourselves, starting with Tristan, and then Tristan, can you hand it off? Uh, hello, yeah, my name's Tristan. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I'm from Dublin New Theatre, and I'm currently in Dublin. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Andreas now. Hi, my name's Andreas. I'm from Mr. Sands Youth Theatre in Bray, County Wicklow, and I'm currently in Ashford, County Wicklow. I'm going to pass it on to Lorcan. Hi, I'm Lorcan. I'm from Kildare Youth Theatre. I'm currently in Kildare. I'm going to pass it on to Katie. I'm Katie Lacey Curtis. I am from Making Waves Youth Theatre and I am broadcasting from Greystones in Wicklow. I'll pass it on to Emma. Hi, um, my name's Emma Corrigan. I'm from Monaghan Youth Theatre and I'm here in Monaghan as well. So um, yeah, I'll pass it on to Dylan. Hi, I'm Dylan Gallagher. I'm from Leitrim Youth Theatre Company in Carrick on Shannon and I'm coming live from Carrick on Shannon. Thanks, folks. So we're here to talk about the show, The Party to, T to End All Parties by uh, Anu. And uh, I mean, thinking about um, 
what we were just talking about with Rory and thinking about being in the grounds of the Royal Hospital in Kamenum, um, any of us who've been there can picture um, vividly that place. And, and The Party to End All Parties was also a show that was very much about Dublin and set in Dublin. So can somebody kick us off again with the description piece of, of describing what, what the show looked like um, and what it was like to experience and what you perceived it to be about. So who'd like to kick us off? Emma. Yeah, um, sorry. Um, so yeah, this was a, a news production for Dublin Theatre Festival that we got to see and it was very interesting. Um, what we, so it was previewed live um, on O'Connell Bridge um, in Dublin, centre of Dublin, the heart of Dublin. Um, and it was actually inspired by a picture um, from O'Connell Street um, back in, um, I think, 1949 when Ireland got their independence. And so this was a big moment in Irish history. And then we are seeing it from the modern perspective, which was really interesting. Another thing, actually, that I think is worth pointing out is that this production we got to see two different screenings of it which is something I've never really seen before and um, the only kind of correlation I could really think of is just um, when you get two acts of a show and this we got to see in the day and the night and I think it, it, it explores um, the theme of time which we'll probably go into a bit more but it was very interesting to see um, them right in the moment in Dublin City um, yeah, that was a, a big part of what um, the show was all about. Thanks, Emma. And I, my internet connection got a little bit unstable and I don't know if everybody's dead, but I think the, a key point that you made is that there were two showings of it and they were two different stories. And so can, who amongst you saw both? Okay, so, okay, so everybody's, talking about, everybody has the capacity to talk about both versions. So can somebody expand on, on what the stories were that they saw? Dylan, thank you. And then Andreas. So obviously there was two parts. The first part was screened at five o'clock and the second one was at seven o'clock. And over the two productions of it, there was only three characters throughout it. There was a survey worker pronounced by I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Nandi Veva. Uh, there was a social worker slash homeless worker that was played by Nandi McCann. There was also a council worker played by Robbie O'Connor. And the first part mainly focused on the social worker and it was about her story of her career and how she had came in sort of a friendly relationship started off with with a homeless person and she got him into a residency and she got a call in the middle of it and she was brought to the house where he was staying and apparently he was in like a violent sort of mood and she found out that he had lost one of he had lost one of his friends and that uh, he was in a way grieving through violence and he was getting threatened that he was going to be kicked out of the residency. So it basically continued on and we're led to believe that they spent the day together and they possibly hooked up together. And then the second part more focused on the council worker and he 
it was led for us to believe that he was in somewhat ways in debt and he had taken a loan out through a loan shark and that loan shark was looking for his money back and he was looking to basically hurt him in any form that he could and the council worker decided to distance himself from his family and his child because he was worried that they were going to get hurt and he didn't want to see them get killed possibly so he decided to kind of distance himself from that sort of life. Great, thank you. Thank you, Dylan, for, for that plot synopsis. That was really on the money. Um, Andreas, can I ask you to talk about formally, like how do we, how was, how were those sh stories shared with us in terms of cameras and, and um, screens and that sort of thing? Of course. So I'd like to bring in a little bit of context to Anu. Um, I'm lucky enough that I was able to see one of their productions before, uh, Pows in Colin Barracks. Uh, before COVID. So they're a deeply, they kind of, they don't use a stage for theatre. They use personal interactions between the audience and the actors for their shows. And it provides a really personal and intimate experience with the show. And I guess with COVID, it was really hard to be able to do that, especially with level three restrictions in Dublin. So they resorted to using um, uh, one-shot POV cameraman to act as the audience member for the three characters and can I just say the three characters um, played by Nandi Bebe, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, Robbie O'Connor and Neil McCann were, act, the acting was phenomenal for all three of them and it really gave us a really engaging story um, for all three of the characters and so basically for each of the two showings which uh, Dylan described you were able to be able to see and talk to characters as through the um, one-shot um, frame of the camera, um, which kind of, it was a way of trying to, how can I say, rekindle the intimate experience that you would get if you went to a new production in real life. Um, and I'll be honest, I think it was the best way they could have done it with the COVID guidelines, because even though we weren't there, and I'm sure they it would have been an amazing, an e even amazing experience being able to go there and go and walk around Dublin with the three characters, to be able to have the experience of even getting both of, all three of the characters in two showings through this format was still incredibly personal, and you still were incredibly um, just enveloped in the stories of the three characters. And I thought that was remarkable. Thanks, Andreas. Who else can, can you talk about what your experience of watching the show? What kind of, were you, were you able to follow it? What kind of questions came up for you? Um, did, what, kind of, what kind of relationship did you un understand that the different strands of story had to do with each other? So who'd like to speak about their experience of watching the show? The show's Lorcan, thanks. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's really interesting to kind of watch as a show because it's very much like you are there and it starts just, it starts with, um, a surveyor who is kind of in, initially you kind of think it's the story is going to be about her and then she goes up um into her office and then it's there's kind of 
there's a video playing in the background shows it's like tournaments change over the years and then you're kind of getting the theme but um and then there's this really nice interpretive dance scene which kind of caught me off guard but i kind of like it though because it just kind of emulated the sense that she felt really trapped because it opens with her with a kind of like almost monologue where it's on the phone saying how trapped she is and i think that's kind of relatable for a lot of people anyway but um uh that was kind of shot uh first person so uh but how do i explain this so it's shot first person but it wasn't through like our perspective um it was kind of like almost like a third person shot of the character but as the story progresses um depending on which show it is in the second showing it's um takes place with the council worker um and then in the first showing it's the woman who's i believe um a social worker for direct provision and homeless people and that's all done like point of view and then it's it's done like so it's you're kind of slowly almost walking and then in the first show anyway you're kind of thinking like what's happening because it's very slowly revealed but it's very very good and then the whole thing about her um actually entering a romantic relationship with one of her kind of clients i suppose it completely catches you off guard and it's really like it it, it's feel it feels very kind of genuine both performances um or all performances even because it's like they're speaking directly to you and you're sort of you're sort of like shunted into this like your envelopes in the story quite quickly because of the way it's shot as well and i think if it had been kind of like as if like you were an audience member instead of actually having it looks like you're actually having a conversation with the person um albeit a one-sided one but if it if it had been shot in kind of like a third person kind of like if you were an audience member sitting in the seat it w- i don't think it wouldn't have worked and Anu are very very good at kind of perspective and changing perspective and you using this space very well and i think the use of cameras and the cinematography itself is really really nice um it was really just pleasant to watch so yeah i just think it was really nice to watch and it, they did it very very well considering the circumstances oh and um yeah. sorry one final thing it was obviously shot uh, it was shot, shot at 5 p.m 7 p.m so it was it was dark um so you got a completely different like mood almost because the start um the start of it of both showings is the same but as it progresses you follow the stories of two different characters and i because it's like the first the first um showing it's at 5 p.m so it's still pretty bright out but then the second showing i just felt like a completely different mood because it's completely dark and it's like kind of it's almost like you're going you're experiencing the same thing but it's different and that's pretty much exactly what the story is about so it, it kind of really helped and it's shot actually in dublin as well so there's like people looking at the camera in the background and people yeah. yelling it's given a very like authentic feeling and i really I mean, I think it. i think it's fair to say from our preliminary discussions that we came away with a lot of questions that we don't know the answer to yeah, about yeah. the extent to which it actually was filmed live because there were some things that mm-hmm. had to be pre-recorded but was the whole thing pre-recorded it's the question that i hope maybe somebody here might be able to address yeah. in the larger q a at the end of this because i i continue to be desperately curious about about how it actually was was executed as a piece of broadcast mm. um any other anyone who we haven't heard from yet want to offer a comment about the show sorry unstable internet tristan thanks and then katie um yeah no uh there was constant illusions or not illusions uh references to joyce but I think both um, both parts. It was like I think it started off, and on the 
um, I think I forgot the actress's name. Um, yeah, forgive me, I forgot the actress's name. That's okay. First actress. Um, when she goes up the stairs into the office, there's like an advertisement um, playing on the television screen. Um, and it's about these times in COVID. And I think it's, um, I think it's uh, the person, the person uh, speaking in the advertisement is uh, speaking the first line of the essays and it's referring to the Liffey, uh, how Dublin can change and everything around the Liffey changes, but the Liffey always stays the same. And yeah, there's just constant references to joy throughout. And at the end of both parts, both characters stand on the bridge and look at, I forget what it's called, but it's like, a, it's, it's called, it's something to ball and it like stands on top of some building and it was for people, I think back in the 1930s, um, it was something to do with docking. Um, it was how they could see like ships coming in and so they could like open bridges, I think. Um, and I think it was just really interesting that Joyce was such an like, important part. Um, because for me anyway, I think Joyce like very much like a lot of his, in particular Dubliners is like very much about people who aren't usually kind of given voices, being given voices. And I felt very much like a news production, um, like this production was very much, it gave like voices to characters that weren't always like given voices. And they were like being allowed be seen kind of. Um, so I just thought that was very interesting. Um, maybe maybe it didn't, that was just kind of a theory I had. Anyway. No, I, that's what we're here for. Um, Katie. Um, I really enjoyed the piece. I do have to say that I did, um, when I initially watched it, have a lot of questions and wasn't completely, I didn't completely know where the story was going at the beginning. And like Andrea said, it was phenomenal acting and it was very enjoyable. And I think what it was for me is, even though it's the nature of a one shot piece and story for each of the characters, I found myself wanting something more. Um, and the actress at the beginning set up the story about time and kind of how Northern Ireland and the Republic would be in different time zones, so to say, and there would be an extra 25 minutes and 21 seconds between them. And obviously that was the running theme. And then when it came to the end and in both monologues ended with the same kind of stanza about time and what you do with the extra 25 minutes. And we were asked to set a timer and I found myself setting a timer and then kind of thinking right so what's going to happen in 25 minutes but then the show kind of ended and I found I just kind of it did leave you with a like I have a timer going is it like is this my opportunity to do something extra but I did find myself wanting more from each of the stories um, and I would be interested to see if they would go ahead with it post-COVID to give it experience because I feel like it would really do it justice to get the opportunity to walk around because although you get the sense of kind of just the can't think of the word just being in Dublin and there was a moment where um Neve fed seagulls and there will be one right beside her and obviously like you can't control seagulls it wasn't planned but it was a really nice nuance and it's the same with people walking past and looking in the camera and it kind of gave you a feeling like you would like to see it in person and mm. I think it would do it more justice. I think it's fair to say that, the, that, that in our discussions about this, uh, 
almost all of you had, had difficulty making the connection from that initial historical photograph and, and the, what, what, the, what the picture that one had in one's mind of what one might be getting from that. And then this extremely contemporary and impressionistic journey through Dublin with reference to COVID, with reference to Brexit, uh, with reference to you know, societal inequities within Dublin. Um, and I think, Katie, it is, it is interesting to wonder if this show, like um, To Be a Machine, is a, is, has turned into a beta test. And if it is something that is, that, like, curious what it was pictured to be before, picture, curious to picture what it might be after. I mean, I can say as someone who's missing Dublin terribly right now, it was quite, um, uh, again, uncanny um, to be walking, to be the, have, have the perspective of somebody walking through the streets of COVID Dublin. Like that really, um, it was, that, uh, I haven't stopped feeling that feeling. So that was very effective for me. Um, but I think it is a show that's very personal um, in terms of, um, what one, what one got out of it. There was, a lot, there was a lot about it that was open, I think it's fair to say. Um, so we're now at, at um, well, it's, it's 12.02 my time. Um, so can that, thank, you, thank you, this panel. Can I ask everyone to come back who, who's on the panel and Alan, and this is the moment where we can, we can open it up to questions from those of you who are watching out there in internet land. And also those of you who are um, young critics and might have questions and thoughts arising um, from what's been said so far, stuff you want to say that didn't get said, please stick it into the Q&A. And, um, and uh, we can go from there. I'll, there's a question here from Neil Murray, who is one of the directors of the Abbey, as you mentioned, Rory. And the, the, some, of you, uh, some or all of you may be able to see this. I'm sorry that Rory didn't get to see the field version. There were only two nights we had to use the courtyard due to the rain. It was 70 minutes in the courtyard for four groups of 15 and 95 minutes in the grounds. So thanks. So, first of all, thanks, Neil, for being here. That's super fantastic for you to be here um, sharing this space with the Young Critics and us. And, and thanks for that background and letting us know about, about how rain affected the show overall. So there's a question here from Shelley Troop. I think Cullen in from Mayo. Um, the theme of adaptation runs through this year's shows. With Dead Center's adaptation of Mark O'Connell's award-winning nonfiction book, The Abbey adapting, adapting Kavanaugh's poem, and a news piece inspired by, adapted from, I would argue, a 1949 photograph of O'Connell Bridge during Ireland's celebration of Ireland's new status as a republic, were any young critics inspired to go back to those source materials and think about what they saw in terms of the book, the poem, or the photo? Fabulous question, Shelley. Thank you. Did, any, did anybody, I think we've already heard that folks did. Lorcan, where did, where did this send you? Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I found that uh, a news show at the parties and all parties. Um, I'm currently studying uh, creative writing in Inchicore. So um, it kind of, and we're just starting to look at Joyce now in um, English literature. And then uh, my professor was talking about his, how he's kind of followed the whole stream of consciousness thing. And that really got me interested. I kind of went back after we hit the head, this whole like stream of consciousness thing and how Joyce kind of writes, especially with Ulysses and stuff. Um, it actually did inspire me to kind of go back and watch 
the show again and, and you can definitely see the kind of undertones of Joyce and how kind of central it is to the story with the whole um, stanza at the end with about Joyce and stuff and it actually did kind of um, inspire me to go look at Ulysses and it's quite I think a new kind of replicated that whole because it's obviously it is stream of consciousness because it's the characters talking to you and I think it actually replicated it very well I didn't notice that the first time I kind of saw the show but it actually made a lot of sense when I went back that's great thanks Lurkin and it's it's great to hear that that returning I mean this is the professor would be speaking right that it's great to hear that going back to the source material gave you kind of a, a, a context for yeah. under, for in which to place to figure out what Anu was doing which I, I mean I think may not have been instantly apparent to everyone who saw the show mm. any other thoughts about about source material Heather and Rory, please. Um, especially after watching To Be a Machine, I found myself going up and researching about Mark O'Connell's book, and I was fascinated to see that it wasn't, it wasn't fiction. It was a real thing. And then I found myself going deeper and deeper into the levels of like, what is transhumanism? And is Mark O'Connell dead? Because that was something mentioned and I just didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think it's important to mention that it may have been, but it feels like it was ages ago when we started this, because there's been so many great ideas in the meantime, that Mark O'Connell is one of the adapters of this show. So it, I, what I glean from that is Mark O'Connell is very much involved in the making of To Be a Machine and is, is consenting to, him, to his own simulation um, in, in terms of that, he, that there's an actor playing him and then this you know, slipperiness of is it or isn't him. So that's, I, I expect that if anybody from To Be A Machine is listening, they will um, be delighted to know that you, that you looked more into transhumanism because it seems to me that the show really comes from a passion, like a real passion and curiosity for these ideas. Rory, a thought about um, source material. Yeah, uh, I actually, well, for To Be A Machine, I. Uh... My, one of the first things I googled, which is a bit gossipy and salacious, and apologies to Mark O'Connell in advance, was does Mark O'Connell have a bladder problem? Like, I was like, is that a thing? Like, why is Jack Leeson pretending to piss on stage? Like, so that was, that was one of my things. And then for The Great Hunger, uh, I did, like, immediately after seeing the show, or pretty much immediately after, go to the poem and have a proper read of it and experience it again and I would say that is like I think quite an important thing that a piece of theatre managed to bring me to a piece of Irish literature that I would argue you probably wouldn't study unless you were at uni level you know so that a lot of I think especially young people wouldn't see so I went back to that and I did really enjoy reading the poem itself. Great. Um, there's a question from Chrissy Poulter about asking you to expand, Rory, on what you meant by company actors as regards the Abbey. Yeah, so uh, in the program to, uh, to uh, The Great Hunger, it was mentioned that uh, it was one of the 2020 remits to work with freelance actors. And I saw that one of the um, performers, I don't, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I think it was Feli Speaks, was a like slam poetry person rather than a like a traditional actor. So that was quite interesting. And I think the distinction between that is 
some, a lot of actors are hired from companies they work with. I know the Abbey has a company itself or, you know, stuff like that. So I think it was, so the freelance thing was, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the actual remit was, but I assume, and I would guess that it was to work with people that hadn't traditionally been worked with before. Yeah, I, thanks for it. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I mean, I think, it, I believe I'm right, and Alan, please not if I'm getting this right, that historically the Abbey did have a, a company of actors who, who were employed by the Abbey full-time. That hasn't been the case for a while now. Um, that, that was a different era of theater. But I, I think that the, the, the point, thank you for expanding on your point, that you, you were seeing actors in the show that maybe you wouldn't have seen in an Abbey production before, and, and that, that there was an expansion of, of performance capacities um, that were there in that show. So thanks for that. Um, Sean Lockery, did anyone do anything with their 25 minutes and 21 seconds? Um, and did, did you follow up and, and do something special with that time? Did you find that the ending had an impact on the way you ended up using your time after viewing the piece? So can anybody talk about what they did with their, oh, Maraid, Fab, what did you do? So uh, when to when the play when the stream ended and it was like so you have twenty five minutes I did set a timer because I was so impacted by the aspect aspect of time and how short it is and I was like okay so I set my timer and I was a bit at a loss for what to do because twenty five minutes felt like such a short time and I had to make my decision in that in that what was it it was like 24, 25 seconds twenty five. 24 minutes and 35 seconds or something and uh so I ended up just like calling one of my friends because I like it felt like such a kind of monumental thing like you had to do something important and I was like what is important that I want to do that I can do in 25 minutes and I was like I'm gonna call my friends because I felt like I felt like they are the most important thing to me and I wanted if like if say if I only had like 21 minutes left in the year I would want to call my friends and just be with them so I did that. Wow that's great Marade and it's interesting that both shows um both the shows that we have panels on kind of really presented us with some very existential um concerns right that with with to be a machine it was you know with embodiment you know our are we gonna live on? And then Moreto is interesting that, you know, embracing it as like the question of if I only had this much long on the planet, it, what would I do? It forces like both to be a machine and the party then our parties forces you to look at time and morality and how fragile the human experience is and how short of a time you have on this earth. So you might as well make the most of it and make the most of both your time and your body. Mm, thanks. There's a couple of related questions now, one for Maria Fleming. How are you, Maria? Um, who is one, I, sorry, Maria, I don't know your uh, direct title, but is one of the people who runs the Dublin Theatre Festival. Um, can I ask the panel what their thoughts are on watching theatre online? Does it open them to watching more theatre in this format or wanting more to get back to face-to-face theatre? Do you believe online theatre is theatre? Whoop, hands in the air, Emma Corrigan. Yeah, this so can, is, can we just um, can we just popcorn this a little bit like one impression and then Emma can you pass yeah. it on to somebody else who's got their hand in yeah, the air sure um it was so weird just um, immediately watching obviously I watched both and 
watching them was it was such an unusual experience i think we obviously a new especially for um the party general parties that is their kind of what they do it's very unusual theater but to experience something online it was like um i think it really went well especially to be a machine just with the themes but then the theme of time and um just all the underlying messages that they had in within it i I think we really need to take a look at what theatre actually is because I feel like I knew you were trying to go in that direction and I think that there's room for us to adapt. I mean, to me, being like creative is pushing those boundaries. Um, So I think I I kind of just tried to accept it and I I have had a great experience overall um, when I was watching it. So um, who wants to go next? Could we oh. have Sarah? Could we have Sarah speak? Because we haven't heard from you yet, Sarah. Uh, yeah, um, I think like I feel like to be a machine kind of handled the whole like in, like interactive kind of you're there in the audience. Like I really like the whole like he like went and made everyone kind of a machine in the audience, and I kind of appreciated that. But like in the other one, um, the end of all parties. I feel like that was more of a physical thing. I really wish that you were there on that bridge with that person because it was so personal that you really just wanted to reach out and consult them in kind of some kind of sense or way. So I feel like theater, it kind of does differ because you can have like theater in like physical contact, going to the theater, all the like fun things to do with that. But I feel like online, it's just bringing it to a whole new level. And I feel like that's the way that we're probably going to go. And like, I'm really appreciating because like as a person who hasn't seen since before COVID um, a piece, I feel like I really appreciated just being there and feeling like you were actually a part of that and you weren't excluded from that experience. So, yeah. <laughs> um, can we do just some brief impressions from Dylan first? Uh, so the main sort of point for me would be like, I'm not sure for everyone, but for me, I look for the interactive side of the theater and for him to be a machine, just like the way they shot the angles out and they showed us all. And we could like point out who we knew in the audience and see the other people that were watching it. It just, it really felt like you were in the theater. Whereas for me, I've never had the sort of experience a new gives where you're like moving around and you're following a show. So for me, I felt nearly like I was either more of a camera or it was sort of more of a movie. I'd certainly love to get the experience of like that side of theater because I've never experienced that. And it seems like something really new and something that could be developed a lot more and become a new version of theater. So. Great, Dylan. Thanks. Katie, then Aoife, then Mairead, then Killian. And again, just brief impressions and pass it on. Um, I think definitely the part of the question where do we believe that online theatre is theatre and definitely came up a lot for us. And I think we got talking about the being differences between to be a machine and the party to end all parties and kind of what it was was that to be a machine was very obviously like you felt a lot more there just by how it was run and um, obviously the interaction played a big part of that and I suppose that's why I had a different impression of 
the party turned up parties because it was to me anyway seemed like a pre-recorded piece so and as Dylan was saying like that can open a brand new way of theatre but beginning after seeing the other show I felt slightly disconnected and it does pose a big question on how we feel about that kind of theatre. Aoife I think I said next. Yeah um, for my application piece I actually watched uh, a play from the National Theatre in London which was a national treasure I mean not Treasure Island sorry um, and I wouldn't have been able to see that if it wasn't online and thankfully they actually filmed it to be viewed online even though it was done uh, quite a while before they actually put it on YouTube so the camera shots were a lot more immersive than if it was just still but going off what Katie said like is this theatre which is something that's also come up all the time with what we've discussed no matter what even if it is just a camera staying still it is still theatre and I think it was just because it's online doesn't make it any different uh, so uh, Mairead was next yeah uh, I think uh, uh, To Be Machine really made really shined online because of like what they were doing the production of To Be a Machine was incredible I mean I know people have spoken at length but watching the plays online was an incredibly intimate experience but it was also incredibly lonely because you were you were looking face to face especially with to uh, the, the party then or parties you were looking at these people you were experiencing it, experiencing it in the first person but I noticed when the stream ended and like you were able to just close your laptop and you're just at home in your bed it was like it was like a, like it just kind of sharp like what what happened you're like because it like because you were completely engrossed in the media and the next thing you know you're, you're just at home I feel like it still is theater and but like the lack of the experience of going to the theater and the the afters the befores the uh, intervals and stuff it really it really detracted from like the experience that I was all, it was almost very the hash is a hash thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Maria. I agree that the um, the the chatting to folks afterwards and and the, in the young critics experience, the chat and the hostel afterwards and and is all that's the that's a piece that we're we're going to need to find ways to recreate through things like this, right? Um, Ruri, then Heather, and then we'll, we'll we'll draw to a close after that. But I do want to get these last couple of thoughts. Yeah, I just think it's. A very fascinating question. I mean, I think it was really interesting to see how shows were adapted to be online. I think to be a machine, I'd almost argue that there wouldn't have been a better time to show it. I think like mm -hmm. if you saw it live, it'd be very different experience. And then the party to end up parties, I think probably would have been done more justice if we got to go see it and got to follow the actors around. Uh, I guess from a student's point of view, uh, as well for these shows I know we get to see them for free as part of Young Critics but it makes it more affordable to see a show online like often the tickets are cheaper I've seen I've gone and watched other stuff online that might be free or might be much cheaper and like that's a fantastic way to make theatre like very accessible so I think that is like quite an interesting way to pursue it and one of the first discussions we had like as one of our first Young Critics workshops is what are the elements of a night of a production and what are the elements of theatre? And we kind of talked about intermission and audience and lighting and stage. And 
I think that's so interesting because, you know, my pre-show these days is grand. I'll turn my computer on and do I have time to make a cup of tea before they start the show? And like, that's such an interesting thing to kind of, for every maker to have to go, where are people viewing this from? You know, is their grandmother in the next room saying, do you want a cup of tea or something? So it's fascinating is what it is. But I think it's also encouraging. And I think some shows work very well online. Thanks, Rory. Heather? Sort of like what Rory was saying, like when we first started out as young critics, we talked about is theatre online theatre and what makes theatre? And we sort of had this general consensus that theatre is someone performing and someone watching. So as long as someone's performing and someone is going to watch, that is theatre. And it was actually brought up in To Be a Machine. Jack Leeson said, theatre is a dying medium, a place where we die together. And I think whether that happens in a real life theatre building, whether it's on a promenade or whether that's us watching behind a screen and watching a live performance, that is theatre. And no matter what form it takes or no matter what medium it takes, as long as someone's going to perform, theatre will be there. Thanks so much. Um, and I think a lot, this discussion hopefully will have satisfied some of some folks who are asking questions um, on the um, on the Q and A. Just one thing I think is really welcome to know. I don't know if you've seen it, panelists or young critics. Maria from the Dublin Theatre Festival was saying that while there were some recorded elements in the party to end all party, it was ninety percent live performance streamed. Um, it happened as you watched it. So that I think is super. I mean. We could keep going. I could see by those faces lighting up that we could keep going about that. Um, Daniel Madden's question about the theme of transhumanism, we don't have time to address that, but Mark O'Connell is the reference and because he has written a book about it. So plug for his book. Um, and uh, Neil offered some clarification about the freelance nature of all acting at the Abbey um, and pointed out that there were some of Ireland's most experienced actors in The Great Hunger, as well as some newcomers and recent graduates of the Lear. Tristan, I know you want to get a word in, so go for it. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, just like on the final uh, like notion of like what theatre is, um, like for me personally, I think that um, theatre, I think is like, obviously we can't at the moment because of COVID, but I think in a COVID-free world, I think the best theatre is theatre that takes place in person. And I know Rory was making like, quite a good point about how a lot of theatre isn't affordable and online theatre is more but I don't, I think, I still think that like the best, the best theater is the theater where, like I say, it's the machines where we die together in like the room and it doesn't have to be a big room, but in the room where like we're all together and we're all experiencing the same thing on their bedrooms. And I think, I think maybe theater as a whole just needs to become more affordable for like people. But I don't think making it more online would make it kind of better. I don't think it would improve theater. Because, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, Tristan, and the, deba the debate could go on about um, not everyone has access to a computer and, 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 um, and broadband, right? And there, there is even, there's a divide in Ireland between rural and urban. There's many people in the world who are never going to experience online theater. So anyway, this is, this, the fact that we could keep talking is just evidence of what a fantastic exchange this was. Um, we've gone over the time that we expected to go over um, because the young critics are so awesome and because you and the audience were so awesome asking us some fantastic questions. Um, so I will sign off at this point with so much gratitude and admiration 
for you, young critics, for everything that you brought to this experience. And I'll leave it to Alan to have a final word if he feels the need. That's brilliant. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. Thanks to everybody who attended. There's, there's I think, a final talk for us all, um, which is, is kind of non-theatre related. Uh, Lorraine Lennon asks, haven't seen Today Machine. Are panellists looking forward to transhumanist future or do they fear it? I, we're not going to answer that now. I think that's a that's a good takeaway for us for us all. Um, so look, this, this was our first time doing it. Um, who knows where we'll be next year? Um, I'd like to thank everybody who, who attended today. It was really exciting. Uh, I'd like to thank Karen for again uh, handling the panel so ably and so expertly. I'd like to thank all the young critics for uh, their marvellous insights. Um, and you know, we've been on this journey for the last six months. Uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to end the meeting. So thank you all for attending. And we look forward to seeing you all for Dublin Theatre Festival uh, 2021. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.